1: It's Livin' the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. All right, this week on Livin' the Bream, we have an author who I've long been a fan of he and his wife's work. And this book, I get piles of books all the time. This one fell into my pile a few months back, and I said... That one captures my attention. I cannot wait to read this, and I it was one of those books, as soon as I read it, I was like, can't wait to read it again. The whole time I'm reading it, I'm like, I'm already ready for the second time through. Um, John Eldridge is joining us. He's a best-selling author, a counselor, a teacher. A lot of folks out there probably know him. The new book is called Get Your Life Back. I thought it was fabulous. John, thank you for joining us.
0: Shannon, that's high praise coming from you. You <laughs> read a lot, and you see a lot, so I'm really honored to chat with you.
1: Well, you guys have such a gift, you really do, just for um, communicating so well in your books on all kinds of different topics. And this one is just, it seems, I I thought it was fantastic um, when I read it a couple months back, but in the place that we're in now with people who are going through all kinds of anxiety and chaos and stress and worry about the unknown, um, this book seems so uniquely situated because it talks through those things, but it also is such a great um, step-by-step process for putting more space in your life, more peace in your life. And this seems like a good time to do that because most of us have a little bit more downtime right now. John, tell us about the overall goal of the book.
0: Yeah, we have more downtime. Suddenly everybody's home, Uh, but we have more anxiety and we don't like that part. So Even before the whole pandemic erupted, I was very concerned. Uh, I've been a therapist for 30 years. I was watching the data, the growing anxiety in the West, the depression, the um, hopelessness, a lot of people stuck in their jobs that don't like their jobs. And so I wanted to write a book that helped people get out of the madness. there was like a perfect storm going on. And this was before Corona. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the perfect storm would be the pace of life everybody's running. And then it would be the tsunami of, of technology. We're just way over plugged in, you know, nine hours a day on our phones and all that. Um, and then it was the overwhelming news that's coming to us every day, you know, through our devices. And, and the, the human person was actually never meant to know about the suffering of every village on the planet. Mm-hmm. And all those things together was just robbing people of a, really, of a really human life. Like, I stopped riding my bike. I wasn't reading anymore. I just found myself completely spun up. And then, my goodness, this happened, right? Mm-hmm. And now everybody is super glued into the technology and anxiety going. I mean, the stock market is just a picture, I think, of the emotional life of the average person. You know, it's up and down. And, and so what I wanted to do, Shannon, was just provide some simple things people could do every day in their normal life to just get some peace and, mm-hmm. and get really to get disentangled from all this.
1: Yeah. And so much of what you said, just, man, you know, there. sometimes you pick up a book and it just every chapter hits you between the eyes. And that's how I felt about this book. And you talk about how we're not created to live at this pace, to, as you said, carry the suffering and the burdens of knowing all the things happening all over the world um, and and now here in the States too and I think people feel overwhelmed that you can't solve more problems, you can't help more people, you worry about people who are suffering and knowing um, almost being, um, you know, your hands tied that you can't help all these people but you have an awareness of everything that's going on that's negative in the world and it just keeps getting closer and closer to home now with the virus that we're dealing with but you talk about Um, indicators. Like you said, not riding your bike, not having time to read. When you're just running from one thing to the next, there's no transition between anything. Um, I even got to a point where the last thing I would do before I run out of the house um, to get to work every day is, you know, I'm grabbing my food. My husband's fantastic. He cooks dinner almost every night so I can take it with me. Um, But I would be running down the stairs, running, grabbing my bag, grabbing the food, barely getting to say goodbye to him and trying to get here and stay on the hamster wheel. And he said to me, you know what, because he never complains about anything. He's like, is there any way that you could just get five more minutes into your day so that you're not running down the stairs and running and grabbing everything and just running out the door and we don't even get a real goodbye and I don't see you for, you know, 15 hours. And I thought, man, if I don't even have time to stop and properly take a minute to look in my husband's eyes, thank him for this dinner, and say goodbye to him, like, I've completely got my schedule and my priorities out of whack, that that was the pace I was running at all the time.
0: Yeah, and it's what, we just think that's normal. Right. And, and what I'm what I'm trying to point out, you know, for thousands of years, folks, that the pace of human existence was three miles an hour.
1: <laughs> like <laughs> It sounds it, heavenly.
0: It, it, yeah, I know. I mean, just, just to say in kindness, this moment that we're living in, this isn't normal. And it's sure not helpful for people. And so, you know, where I, for, with the sanity for me, where it began was I just started to learn to pause in mm-hmm. my day because I would just go from news report to news report to phone call to phone call to meeting to meeting. And, you know, now it's all online, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're you know, telecommuting and we're doing Zoom, you know, conferences and stuff. But nonetheless, we don't stop. And just learning to pause. Uh, There's some wonderful brain research that shows that if you'll just pause during your day, just really stop and take a breath, like your brain resets and your concentration's better. So it's simple, simple things like just take a pause, folks.
1: Yeah, and you talk about the one-minute pause. I mean, you and I are both people of faith, so that when what you specifically uh, recommend for this pause works for me. Um, I don't know if other people might want to use a different phrase, but explain this one minute of just stopping in the middle of the chaos.
0: Yeah, right, because we're already addicted to the cortisol and the adrenaline rush, and so we just live at that buzz, but it's really brutal. You know, you get into your day and you're fried, so you just pause. And and it's uh, the phrase I call it benevolent detachment. In the pause, we let it go. Um, and it, it, if you're a person of faith, you might be letting it go to God, uh, or, or it, you can just do this as as just a mature human being and just say, I gotta let this go. I, ca- I can't carry this right now. I, there's nothing I can do about the fact that France just went on lockdown. There's nothing I can do about that. You know, the, there's nothing I can do about the kids. You know, on spring break that aren't obeying the you know the protocols down in in Florida right now. I can't do anything about that. And so mature, this has long been kind of known in the therapeutic community. Mature adults are those who are learning to get to the place where you can let it go. And one of the big things happening in the West right now is sleep disorders. You know, people are not sleeping well mm-hmm. it's because they're taking all they're taking all this to bed. Mm-hmm. So every night. Every night now, <clears throat> when my wife Stacy and I are going to bed, we say some bedtime prayers. And one of the prayers is, we give it all to you, God. We give it all to you. We just release it. And, and we've got to kind of name it. You know, we release our kids and we release the world. And mm-hmm. these, these very simple acts, these very simple choices in our day, it creates some breathing room to just get a little bit of margin back in your life. And Mm -hmm. it's
1: pretty wonderful. Yeah, I mean, the concept of margin is so, so important. And when you start to take stock of where you are, it really, (laughs) when you look in the mirror, it really is a shock. Um, But you can see it very clearly if you're willing to stop and think about, okay, I, I can build a little bit more margin in. I don't have to solve every problem. I don't have to answer every email, every text, I don't have to be glued to my phone all the time. Um, you know, you have a lot where you talk about social media, too, and how we've allowed ourselves. We have choices to make, but a lot of us have allowed ourselves to become addicted to it. And you talk about this loop that we get stuck in with dopamine and the opioid system um, that does make us feel pleasure in this system of wanting to get likes, wanting to check back, wanting to see what other people are doing. And you can just waste hours and hours and hours doing this. And it's not just a wasted time, but it's what's happening to you in this loop, in this addiction of feeling like you can't put the phone down. You can't stop looking at it. You can't walk away from it. I'm going to miss something. I'm going to miss work. I'm going to miss a text. I'm going to miss a tweet that somebody likes. I mean, it really does start to feel like an addiction.
0: It, it is, actually. Nicholas Carr's book uh, almost won the Pulitzer, How the Internet's Changing uh, the Shallows, What the Internet's doing to mm-hmm. Our Brains. And it, it's literally changing your brain, folks. And And what really got me concerned, we have little grandchildren now and darling, little three-year-old, two-year-old, one-year-old, and I realized I couldn't play with them for more than a couple of minutes before I wanted to check my phone again. And check email, make a few texts. I'm like, God, Sukes, you can't even be with the people you love? Like, hang on a second. And and that was where the timeout was for me that led to this book was I got to do some things to just put some boundaries around it. You know, simple stuff. Like, I don't, I don't check my phone first thing in the morning now.
1: Like, yeah, I've stopped that, really too. Hard. It is so much better to wake up and have some time without it. That's key. Don't you love that now? Yep.
0: You. You're more of a human being, folks. You just leave the phone on the counter. I'm talking ten minutes, not two hours. Make a cup of coffee, look out the window, like just you get to be human again. And and, in creating simple choices like that is getting some margin back in where you you enjoy making dinner, you enjoy reading a book, you enjoy. And now, Shannon, this has become huge because now the kids are home, right? Oh yeah. Closing and poor moms. Oh, my gosh, poor moms. (laughs)
1: Especially if they're trying to do an outside job and do the work of being mom at home. And dads are, you know, thrown in there, too. And now suddenly they're homeschoolers and they've never done this before.
0: Yeah, it's chaos. And and so what I want to suggest is that the the tendency is going to be use technology. Just give the kids pads, get everybody dialed in. But what you can do is create some technology-free moments in your house, like maybe the last hour of the day. Everybody turns the technology off and you do a puzzle together or you read a story out loud or, or, you know, you build a model or you paint or you listen to some music together. or Like, be human as a family. And so create these little technology-free zones. I think first thing in the mornings one and, and I think last thing in the evenings one, that, that we can get a little bit of margin back as a family and teach our kids that there is a life beyond the
1: cell phone. Absolutely. Live in the Bream continues in a moment.
0: I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or
1: get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. A couple of things I want to talk about that you talk about specifically. One of them is something I'm seeing a lot of folks doing now, which is get out in nature and um, we, we've we had some really nice days here in the Washington area as spring has finally arrived. And everybody's cooped up. And I swear, we've we got our dog. We have a puppy that's crazy. So we'd like to get her out and wear her out. So we take her out on the trails and just walking through the neighborhood. And everybody's keeping their distance, but they're saying hello. And I think, you know, we live in a neighborhood full, full of people who spend time commuting. And they're busy. And they all have these demanding, crazy jobs. But to actually see your neighbors and to exchange names with them to check on them, see if they need anything, to see them out with their kids and their dogs and, uh, you know, the strollers and the bikes and older couples. And I mean, it's really nice that we just spend maybe, you know, 30, 60 minutes a day if we can do it with a dog walking through the woods and just walking through the neighborhood. And um, I haven't always made time for that. It's very restorative. Isn't it wonderful?
0: Yeah, this was one of the other things that I lost too. I just got caught up in the chaos and in the pace of things and I, I stopped my daily walk and I got it back. And even today, so I'm in Colorado, snowstorm today. Oh. It, it was howling wind, but I knew I had been on Zoom conference calls all day and and I knew I, like my soul needed to breathe. It needed the outdoors. And again, there's a boatload of research on this if you just take a 20 minute walk outdoors it reduces the cortisol levels in your brain like the stress goes down and you feel better and and you know people of faith we would say yeah and and you can enjoy like the love of god out there in the in the beauty of the world but you know whatever your vibe is to get outside and you know take a walk and again this is how to get the kids off technology by the way like if, if your community is not on total lockdown yet, or if you're not, you know, told to shelter at home, get a walk in, take a bike ride, like, let the real world back in, even just open the windows in the house, let a little bit of the real world back in. It is so refreshing.
1: It is, and you talk about the difference. This is another thing that really uh, resonated with me. You talk about the difference between relief and restoration and how we turn to things for relief that are momentary. You say in the book, it's checking out, numbing, sedating yourself. Television's a relief. Eating a bag of cookies is a relief. Guilty. Tequila is relief. And let's be honest, relief is what we reach for because it's immediate and usually within our grasp. Most of us turn there when what we really need is restoration. Explain that for us.
0: Yeah, because what, what we're living in right now, and I really want to say this in kindness, friends, this world is nuts. And, and your soul is getting dried out by it. Like, it really fries your humanity. And so we reach for relief. You know, it's that third glass of wine you shouldn't have, or it's that, you know, the second chocolate bar you shouldn't do. You know, we reach for that. But you don't feel better at the end. It's not a restorative thing. But it, But like you were saying, Shannon, you take the dog for a walk talk to a neighbor, you know, you listen to some beautiful music, you, you read a real book and not, you know, not something digital. Those are actually proven to be restorative practices. And I was so fried up and kind of spun up at the end of the day. I was just reaching for relief, right? Just, just give me some, numb me. When, when what I really want is restoration, I, I think that what we need in this time right now in the world is resilience. We need to be resilient people, and to teach our kids. By the way, to be resilient people. In fact, this is a fascinating thing that colleges were reporting before Corona that the mental health services in colleges these days is absolutely, absolutely overwhelmed because the kids are not resilient. The freshmen get in, and within weeks they are in anxiety and depression disorders. And so, we want restoration. We want to. We want strong. We want to take care of our humanity so that we can be robust and resilient people.
1: Again, we're talking to John Eldridge, best-selling author and counselor, among any uh, many other things that he does. The book is called Get Your Life Back, and it's really this look at how we have become, especially in the states, just so entangled in technology and social media, and just the pace of life and being expected to be connected to the office all the time. If you work outside the home, and really just running and running, and and sometimes if it's with your kids that you got to go to activity, activity. You don't want them to miss anything. Um, There are just so many things that are grinding us to a pulp uh, that we just don't, as we've talked about, you just don't have much margin. Um, I'm reading another great book by Rebecca Lyons, who I think is fantastic. I love her stuff. And she's got a book um, that I'm reading right now. And the chapter I read today was her talking about how much she struggled with sleep. She had three young kids and was busy and traveling and speaking and doing all these things. And for years, her sleep was terrible until she finally started to realize how much it affects everything. And she really started to take sort of an inventory and think about what she could do better and get serious with herself about the choices she was making um, and how they were influencing her ability to get a good night's rest. And she really had to take control of some things. Um, like, you know, worry and technology and scheduling and so many other things. And then once she um, she got rid of sugar and all kinds of other things, but once she started to get a full night's rest, she felt like a different person. And it gave her so much more ability to deal with crises when they came up, to deal with, you know, travel problems and um, family crises and all kinds of things. And so I do think many of us are skating by on the bare minimum and what we get is not actually restful for a lot of people. Um, how can sort of disconnecting and putting space into our life give us a better night's rest, which then in turn um, gives us a better head on our shoulders?
0: Yeah, it does. I, I'm so glad you brought this up because you don't you don't love well when you're running on empty. You, it's hard to be kind. It's, it's really hard to be patient and trapped mm-hmm. when you're running on empty. Amen. You know, yeah. So let's get some rest. First off. Uh, proven research. Don't don't be looking at screens as the last thing you do in the day. Too many Americans, more than 70%, take their phone into the bedroom, and um, the, your brain is stimulated, overstimulated by that. And so that's what I was talking about, like the last hour of the day. Stacy and I are now saying is you know screen-free time because we want to sleep well. So that's a simple thing. Um, and if your phone's in the room, the thing is you. This is a fascinating piece of research. I was just looking at some college data that says if the phone is in the room, students taking tests, even if the phone is not near them, if they know it's in the room, they score a grade lower. Mm. And the reason why is we are wired now to our phones mentally, and we are distracted by the mere presence of it. So I would suggest no screens at bedtime, and put the phone out in the kitchen, uh, get an alarm clock again, right? but there are some other things that you can do. That, that choosing to do real things. Stephen Crawford wrote an amazing book on this called The World Outside Your Head. And he was, he was studying um, skilled craftsmen and, and the fact that people who do real things, like you do a puzzle, you build a model, you, you, know, you take a dance class, you ride your bike. In the evening, it, it is so reorienting for your brain and it gets your brain to to move into a much more kind of zen space, it's very tranquil. It's very good for you. So you want to sleep better? Those are some things.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned the puzzle. I realized we've got two puzzles at home that we bought after we visited a friend um, who had puzzles at their house. And we were like, hey, this is awesome. We're really terrible at this. Um, But it was fun. And so um, we may have to bust those out, especially if the Breams end up in actual quarantine, (laughs) you know, puzzles. I had some friends who've got kids who are doing all kinds of creative things right now, too. And they had the 3D puzzles where you're actually building um, a castle or something else um, yeah. that's actually a structure and it's it's really fun and I think of these things that we used to do when I was a kid and things we had more time for and things that some kids are missing out on now because everything is a tablet or technology and listen you know people may say you're an old school kind of crazy grandma I don't know I just think it's fun to look back on those things and, and be able to bring them back in a way because you do have to talk and communicate and, and think out loud and connect when you're doing a project together like that Um, There's so much more in your book. I really hope people will check it out. Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. I think um, an important um, chapter two, and we can't talk about it because we got to go, but I really, the idea of self-life and being so aware of our own wrongs, our own position, being envious of other people, um, and you talk about how we have to unpack from that. We have to be, you know, cheering for other people's success. Um, When you're having a conversation with people, don't wait, be silently waiting the whole time like, well, I got my point to make. No, listen to people. I I mean, that's such a great chapter, too. And I think um, all of us in this day and age where we're taught to fight for ourselves and put ourselves first and self-love, there's a balance to hold that that whole conversation. So I thought that chapter was fantastic, too. I love the whole book, and I am going to read it again because just having our conversation reminds me of how much I loved it previously. So, John, thank you for making time for us. I hope people will make time for the book as well.
0: Jenna, you've been very kind Thank you I love what you're doing Your shows are so interesting You're bringing so many interesting people um, Into the into the conversation So thanks for including me I'm really honored
1: Well, we loved having you And listen, right now We're trying to, to bring in a lot of doctors And um, they're very kind to donate time On top of what they're doing In their practices In their hospitals To answer questions That are really worrying people the most So we try to provide information And you have done that in this book John, I can't wait for your next one Thank you